Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Greetings, this is Kevin McHugh. I am the host of Sheer Clarity. This podcast is about leadership, and in particular, leadership by attraction. I am always trying to help my clients become the kinds of leaders the moment they encounter others, the people on the opposite side of the relationship feel instantly warm, calm, at ease, psychologically safe, and drawn into the leader. And that comes essentially from a leader who has got a heart that's a caring heart. It's been evolved and developed to a place where you actually are able to put the needs and interests of other people first. When you become the CEO or you're walking around the C-suite or senior leadership position, or whether you're just working your way up as a supervisor, the first thing great leaders do is they care about the outcomes of the people who work for them ahead of their own outcomes. It's a very powerful way of leading and It's my belief that the only way to do that is to begin on the interior and start with yourself. It's a self-work project to understand one's own emotional framework and one's own life story. Now, the podcast started in 2019, and when I started it, I was trying to just download what I have been learning over the last 30 years, and that ended up with 36 episodes. It articulated the framework of how to become a leader by attraction, lots of topics on trust and vulnerability and honesty. And after I downloaded these 36 episodes of what was in my brain, I pivoted then to interviews. And I have about 16 interviews on the podcast, mostly with CEOs, many of whom I've known very well. Others have been referred in. But They were all interviews based on asking them to tell their story. So I've become very, very deeply rooted in storytelling and what it means to tell your story. And that's what brings me to today. I have finally decided to wade into the waters of diversity and inclusion and to actually come at it from the perspective that I know well, which is the story of a human heart. And how that human heart is at the, at the center, the epicenter of a leader's approach to leading. And so with that said, I have been playing with it, thinking about it, praying about it, and here we go. I've decided to do a three-part series called the Diversity and Inclusion three-part series, oddly enough. And part one is this episode we're on right now, and I'm calling it The Power of Learning Your Heart's Story. Part two will be The Power of Learning Another Person's Heart Story. And then part three will be The Power of Learning The Biggest Story. And by that, I mean the biggest story of existence 
and our place within it. It's good to have context. But the, re- the way I'm coming at it is I feel like the world is blazing with conversations and information about diversity and inclusion. And after you throw in the craziness of the pandemic a year ago, and now we're in post-pandemic, the entire topic has taken on a new level of heat and intensity. And everyone is familiar with the terrible divisiveness we're experiencing right in our own families. I mean it. I don't know anyone who isn't dealing with conflict right in your own household with your relatives, the closest people to you who become divided about some of these things around the pandemic and safety. So this climate is intense and crazy. And what I've noticed is we tend to hear a lot about the institutional approaches to the diversity and inclusion challenges. And those are big institutional frameworks. There's our big governments, federal, state, and local programs. How many commissions are there to study the issues? How many books have been written? I'll give you a, a funny tip. I googled diversity and inclusion consulting firms, and the hit number said 51 million. How that can be, I don't know, but that's a lot of hits. I'm sure it's less than that, but imagine the idea of an entire industry based on this topic. It must be powerful. The second thing I saw is when I Googled, you know, books on diversity and inclusion. Actually, I didn't Google. I looked at it on Amazon. More than 2,000 titles. So there's lots of training, lots of programs, lots of ways in which we can go about becoming better as individuals. I thought the way to do it, however, would be to start at the inside. Instead of an outside, top-down solution, I wanted you to think about an inside, based on your heart solution. In other words, the one place where the magnitude of the problem can be reduced to its most simple nature and form and potential solution is when I or you take the time to examine my heart, to look at it, to sense it, to see it, and to really examine it. And all that it holds, all that it feels, and all that it believes. So, In this particular episode, I wanted to focus on how do you learn your heart story? How do you understand it? What's it about? And what are the questions that you should be entertaining and asking yourself? And you can start philosophically in the topic of diversity and inclusion by asking, what do you believe right now about how you feel? about race in general, or any of the other categories that are included in the diversity conversation. What do you do when it comes to inclusion? And the way I'm suggesting that you go about it 
is by taking time with yourself, by yourself. Now, here's what's happening. We, we are in a period where the rate of change, the speed of change, particularly in the technology world, which touches everything from physics uh, to biology to every other form of science to artificial intelligence, I am wondering if our human hearts are capable of adapting at the rate that the world around us is changing. It's crazy fast. There's a wonderful futurist you can Google. His name is Amin Tufani. It's A-M-I-N, and Tufani is T-O-U-F-A-N-I. Had the pleasure of meeting him and listening to him do a very wonderful presentation. His work is extremely powerful. But he speaks to this issue of the rate of change and is actually focused on human adaptation and how fast we can do it. Well, I'm over here teaching leaders for my career to be in touch with themselves. I, I asked the question of you, how much time have you spent truly getting a handle on who you really are and where you came from? What is it that you believe? What do you base those beliefs on? And how do you make meaning and understanding of what you think and feel and believe? Not about the social issues, but about your heart space towards those social issues. So who am I and what do I believe about my life? And how have I been changing and adapting and growing? And how have I examined the stories that I'm telling myself? One of my favorite questions for you to think about is, what is the source of your identity? And think about this for a moment. Are you defined by your work? Are you defined by what you do? Are you defined by how much money you make? Are you defined by the car you drive? Are you defined by your reputation? Are you defined by power? All of these questions of you identifying yourself as who you are. And at that level, the problem is that you have to be quiet in order to do it. And I've spoken in other podcast episodes about what it means to be self-reflective and now we're living in a time when no one has time. And we're living in a time when maybe one of the side benefits that I've heard about the pandemic is when people started working from home, they were actually reconnecting with their families. So in this part of the series on you being better in the world and more sensitive and more compassionate and more understanding, in the world of divisiveness, where there's really literally hatred that you can smell and feel and, and hear almost every day somewhere on the radio or in the news or on your social media platforms, what is, what is happening to you and what is the state of your heart? I have to share a belief I have. I believe, based on my own personal walk and feeling about the people I've encountered over time, 
I think and still will completely go to death on this hill that people are fundamentally decent and good. What we're hearing is a very, very loud, super accelerated messaging system that's placed us in the smallest number of people with the loudest megaphones making a loudest amount of noise. All I know is, is that we're all sort of hearing the noise and everybody we meet has been getting filled with the noise. The noise is continuing to be pumped into the system. Now it's happening at our level of our children. I have 13 grandchildren. I'm concerned about them and what they hear. And I think it's time for us to focus on what my heart is telling me. And if I go to work with my heart setting the dial to caring, that's going to have the most dramatic effect on this world, fighting the hatred and the division and being a culture that continues to work on acceptance. However, with acceptance comes something else, and that's an opportunity to have a position and to hold a position. And what I'm looking for is a day when we can return to a fundamental agree to disagree. I remember as a kid growing up, living in the suburbs of Philadelphia in these row homes, I mean, just row after row after row, just bundled together, and you walked out the back door into the alley and you played with your friends. And on my street alone, up and down the doors, right to the left of me and to the right of me, was every size and shape of approach to life and living. My father went to work in a coat and tie at a bank. The guy next to him actually was an entrepreneur, and he owned a rubbish company. He had about 20 trash trucks. The person after that was an Italian bricklayer, and the person after that was a truck driver, a person after that, some engineer. And what I noticed and what I recall, there would be occasions in the summer when the alley would open, all the families would come out, and all of the adults would gather around drinking a cold beer, flipping a few burgers, and they would talk and they would argue and they would debate. And there were blue collar, there were white collar, there were Democrats, there were Republicans. And the people literally could talk openly about who they voted for, argue about who they voted for, disagree about who they voted for. And then the next day, the guy you disagreed with who voted for the other guy would be more than happy to come over and help repair your water heater, or you'd be happy to pick up their mail from while they were on vacation. It was, it was a different time. I don't know what happened to it, but I think we can get back to it. And we get back by one person at a time. That's me. And that might be you checking on our heart space. What is it that's in there that is preventing me from loving my neighbor the way I might love myself? And so I want you to ask that question as part of this conversation we're having on this episode. It also gets to you doing an even deeper amount of analysis about what triggers you. You hear that conversation happening and people getting triggered and they're looking outside at the world and expecting anybody who did something that triggered them 
to stop doing it. And I'm not so sure that is a fair way to approach it. We actually should be identifying what is triggering us ourselves. And that might mean doing some deep psychological soul searching. Later in the series, I will absolutely talk about searching outside of ourselves for something called peace. But for right now, my encouragement is for you sitting where you are, turning off your devices at some point very soon, grabbing a notebook and talking to yourself about who you are and how your identity works. What I'm going to do on my webpage is I'm going to post a PDF for anybody who wants to use it to answer a number of these questions about reflection on your heart. I mean, your heart is the place where you hold everything that's human in one space. And all of the emotions are just part of it. Your belief system is part of it. The people you love is part of it. And your ability to go into the world is part of it. I think the diversity and inclusion challenge would be much quicker to address if every human owned his or her responsibility. Now, how does that translate to a leader? That just means to me that you walk your talk. A leader who is actually self-aware, self-conscious, and some way has found some degree of peace and self-acceptance, in other words, you're not perfect, you do make mistakes, then I think that energy you carry to work every day, every person who works for you, every encounter you have with a customer, every encounter you have with a vendor, every encounter you have with an employee or a colleague, that is a moment of truth, it's heart truth. When you approach them, if you come loaded with your own anger, your own frustration, your own resentments, your own confusion, how can you possibly be a person of invitation, authenticity, and transparency when the only thing they're going to feel when they encounter you is something that we could call negative energy, if you will. So you have to start within, with yourself, and with your own heart. Over the course of this next three episodes, we'll talk a little bit, and I'm going to put this on the website as well, by a piece of prose slash poetry. It's quite famous, but in case you haven't heard of it, it you'll, want to, you'll want to get a hold of this. It's called The Invitation. And it was written by a woman. She actually, I believe, still lives in Toronto, Canada. And she goes by the name of Uriah. She's sort of a mystic. She's a writer and a teacher. She does a lot of work around the deep levels of being and how to create meaning. And how you, not only do you create meaning inside your own heart, but how do you create meaning when you encounter others? And one of her comments in her bio about what she's, she's about is she puts this phrase together, ruthlessly honest and infinitely kind toward our own strengths and our own weaknesses. So as I'm, you know, having this conversation with you about it and trying to adapt it to the diversity and inclusion conversation, 
I'm recommending the place to start to be most effective is not at the high level with programs and policies and, and, you know, seminars and committees and commissions and institutional approaches. What if every human immediately today, including me and including you, turned off everything and sat down, maybe with a journal and a pencil and paper, maybe documenting it on a Word doc, and asking ourselves to be ruthlessly honest and infinitely kind about my strengths and my weaknesses. I am quite capable of doing damage, being rude, being selfish, being unkind, being impatient, and all of those things make me unavailable for the people who might need me. And that person might be standing right next to me in the checkout counter at the supermarket. Even the reactions that we have with one another over masks can trigger something. And so what I'm looking for is the only person that I can really do any work on to be a better human in the world is me. That's my job. And if I pay attention to that job and I do that job well, I will make a difference in the world that day in those moments. Which brings me to another element that I think is part of the diversity and inclusion conversation. We're missing or have lost touch with something called grace. What is that? Grace is the ability to accept and forgive the transgression of another person, even when it's perfectly clear they're in the wrong. The wrong has been done to you. You have options the moment that occurs. And one option is grace. I can give you a very recent example in my own personal life. My wife was in Michigan visiting family. She was taking my grandson out for his birthday, shopping and lunch. It's an annual thing. She does it with 13 grandkids. How she manages that is beyond me, but she should have grandmother of the year, of the decade, of the century for the way she does it. And somebody banged into her while she was at a stoplight. She got out of her car after making sure she was okay and my grandson Jack was okay. And behind her was a fairly big truck. There was not a mark on this truck. And on the back of her car, the bumper had taken the hit. And there was a, a reasonable little crease in it. You could see it. It was obvious. And someday, maybe it'll get repaired. But she made a decision in that moment. She was running. She was busy. And the idea of calling the police and running a police report and running through insurance, she took a look at the bumper and she said, look, it's not a big deal. We it, Don't worry about it. And the people, the driver and the passenger in the truck sort of looked slack-jawed for a moment 
and said, are you sure? They were people who were reasonable. They were people who were graceful. And they said, no, let us take care of it. Here, here's my card. Get it repaired and, you know, tell us what it is. That is grace from them. My wife returns the grace and says, it's okay. Don't worry about it. These things happen and off we go. Now, here's the thing about grace in that case. There is something that happened, damage occurred, and there's a cost for the damage. And the damage cost may get paid. Maybe we'll choose not to fix it, but if we chose to fix it, we'd pay the money. So the cost was paid. The damage was done by someone else. They made a mistake, but we're going to bear the cost. I'll talk more about that in the third part of this series. So I'll leave you with this thought for diversity and inclusion to summarize the episode. Why not start your betterment in the world and you making a contribution to turning down the temperature and reducing the level of hate and resentment and anger by searching your heart searching it ruthlessly with ruthless honesty about where it's broken, where it's missing parts, where it needs work, and then at the same time remain kind infinitely towards yourself and do the work with your heart that you need in order to go in the world with grace so that you today can make a difference in every role you hold whether it's at home or whether it's at work, show up with a gracious heart. Do the work you need to put yourself in a position so you can bring the loving, forgiving, grace-filled energy to the world. Let's start there as we address all the challenges that seem to overwhelm us in a world of diversity where inclusion is needed, differences should be accepted, and at some point, when are we going to get back together, even if we agree to disagree? So next time, we're going to talk about learning another person's heart story. I'm going to use the invitation just to give you a little teaser. Listen to the first paragraph. This is you speaking to another human being to learn their story. Here's what it says. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. I want you to imagine a conversation between people of radically diverse backgrounds, radically different cultures, radically different identities, radically different races, labels, and they actually just sat down and said, tell me what you dream about. Tell me what you ache for. Tell me what your heart's longing is. I believe it will begin a conversation that will lead to peace. So that's it for now. Thanks for listening. I uh, can't wait to talk for this next topic. I'll put some things up on the website that you can download. I'm going to put in a lifeline mapping exercise where you can go back and take a look at your life from the time you were born to today and kind of plot out the highs and the lows. I want you to be able to look back and see it. I want you to be able to establish why there might be pain, why there might be shame, why there might be things that hold you back. And then I want to talk to you about the idea of forgiving yourself, forgiving others. So they'll have that exercise in there. 
I'll put the invitation in there as well. And I'm also going to put a link in there to the history of diversity training and its pioneers by this B.E. Vaughn. And that will give you a wonderful opportunity to get an overarching view of this topic. So it's a big topic with big problems, and we just want to solve them one heart at a time. I'll begin with mine, and you begin with yours. Talk to you next time. We'll see you soon. Don't forget to share this on social media and invite your friends to listen. That's all for now. Bye-bye.